From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 449. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, ZocDoc, and Fast Growing Trees. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Federico Vedici. Buonasera, Mike. Buonasera, Federico. Hi. Uh, bien? No. Buona? No. Bene. No. Bo- bene, sto, that's it. Sto bene. O- I was, tutto, I was hovering. Bene. <laughs> I was just bouncing around from place to place that's kind of close to Italy. Yeah. You almost got it. <laughs> it's also my pleasure to introduce Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hey, y'all. What's up? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty standard American salutation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Yeah. I have an update from the Mike Hurley tip line. Ooh. Apple lawyers are coming after you. No? This one mm. is more of just a confirmation. There isn't really any new information. I just wanted to talk about this today because i had a funny thought uh on upgrade i referred to these people as my informants and then i thought today about anonymous informant so now referred to henceforth as my ai so my one wow. of my ais told me uh that the beat studio buds plus uh i think we, look, we also something we already knew it's going to be available in black and gold in an ivory color and transparent order start on the 17th of may at 8 a.m and the release date is the 18th of may i don't really think there's anything new here are you going to get sued because of this? I don't know. People shouldn't give me this information, should they? If they don't want me to do anything with it. Are, are we protected like uh, by, you know, the law that protects the press? Are we the press? As who the press? In this case? You and Stephen or me? I don't, I don't really consider uh, myself as, as press. I mean, we do have insurance in case we're sued for libel. So there's that. Do we? Yeah. Is that libel, though? I don't think this is libel. It's though, not libel. It? <laughs> libel would be like, I'm not, I probably shouldn't have given an example. You say something bad about somebody. <laughs> uh, we talked about the transparent ones, right? How, how awesome they look. I mean, we talked about this whole thing, to be honest. There, it, it, none of this is really new information at all, but this just came into me via the tip line, so I figured I'd just share via it. Via the tip line. One of your many AIs. One of my AIs out there in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Thank you. So, as the uh, what would you be then on the receiving end of the tip line? Are you the the tipper? Who who are the you in this case? The tip. The tip. <laughs> I'm the tip. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm the tip. The tip. <laughs> <laughs> I like T I P P I E. By the way, for this, mm, I think okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, tippy. I was I was I was questioning the spelling in my mind. Yeah, I guess we'll know in a week. If you're right or not. Mm-hmm. 17th mm-hmm. is what, a week from today? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, again, it's not me. I'm merely a conduit. I have mm, no way of confirming any of this information. you're also an editor. You're an editor. I can't edit this. There's no way for me to prove any of this. Hmm. I have well, no... I, all... I'm just sharing this, you know? What, what, is, what does Mark Gurman say? Uh, according to the people, the people said? Yeah, the people said this. The, the AI said this to me. Uh, there's nothing I can do about the it. The couching he has to do at Bloomberg is incredible sometimes. Like, I love it. <laughs> riding love it. way around his elbow to explain something. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good. Good for Beats. Way to go. Everything yeah. should be have a transparent option. Everything. I agree. Yes. We had a, a question from listener Ashley, and I put it in follow-up because, uh, Federico, you recently shared how you have gone back to the Mac using an M2 macbook air and how you know you've documented your setup for us over the last few months as you've settled into your new office Uh, ashley wrote since uh, you guys are all using laptops as desktops what stands are you using are your laptops opened 
or closed? What about you, Mike? So I have two areas, right? So I have my MacBook Air on my main desk, and then I have my MacBook Pro, which is permanently docked where I record. Mm-hmm. Um, the MacBook Pro Wait, where's is the in iMac a book Where's the iMac? Is it gone? The iMac's in a box at the moment. Oh, no. The iMac, the iMac will eventually find it a place at home. Yeah, good. But that's that's going to come later for the iMac. The MacBook Pro is in a book arc from 12 South, and it's just tucked away behind the lamp, and it's just there. It's all plugged in all the time. The MacBook Air, with the way that I have the desk set up, the easiest thing for me to do is just to plug it in and just place it down flat on the desk. Like I have like a perfect space for it. That makes it easy to get in and out. Like if I had a book arc, I'd have to kind of like angle it awkwardly. It just mm. wouldn't really work. So it just works. So just plug it in and put it down and that's it. I don't like to have laptops open as a second screen. I, uh, I have the book arc um, standing uh, on the, you know, just right there in the uh, right side of the desk. Uh, MacBook Air in clamshell mode inside of it uh, because I also don't like to see a secondary display. If iPadOS 17, maybe we're going to talk about this later, if iPadOS 17 does introduce clamshell mode, uh, I will need to think about this um, because right now it only fits the MacBook Air. Uh, It wouldn't fit, I don't think, uh, an iPad Pro with a magic keyboard inside of it. Uh, But right now, uh, as I'm Mac only at the moment, uh, or Mac you know, Mac first, I guess, at the moment. Uh, it just it fits perfectly, the MacBook Air and a single cable, as we described previously, going into the MacBook Air that takes care of charging and going into my multiple USB-C uh, hubs and uh, eventually to the studio display. But yeah, that's what I'm using. Have you tried one of the different inserts? I, I have, and they those were for the MacBook Pro. So uh-huh. that's probably what I'm going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. If I need to, you know, find a more universe, universal fit in the future, uh, because the, the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard is quite a bit thicker yep. than a MacBook Air, uh, so we'll see. Or, I mean, I could just, you know, detach the iPad from the Magic Keyboard and just put the the iPad inside. And with clamshell mode, if they really do it, uh, technically, I mean, in theory, the display should stay off, which is what I want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see a display yep. right, you know, by the corner of my eye. Yeah, I think the book arc is totally the way to go if you're using your laptop closed. Uh, but I don't. I have my laptop open to the left. Um, I first tried the 12 South High Rise, which is like a you know nice metal stand. There's a new version that has a little like wireless charger in the base, but it's height adjustable. And the way it height adjusts is the stand moves up and down, and there's a little. Uh, like a little lock you twist into place. Well, you couldn't get it tight enough, so the whole thing wobbled. Like, the the top part would wobble while the base part was still on the desk, and that just drove me nuts. And so I just bought... I'm going to read the whole name on Amazon. There'll be a link in the show notes, I'm sure. The Sound Dance, all capital letters, Sound Dance! Laptop stand, aluminum computer riser, ergonomic laptops, elevator for desk, metal holder compatible with 10 to 15.6 inches, notebook computer, silver. Isn't that a movie festival? Sundance. Sundance. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very basic aluminum stand. It matches the silver of my MacBook Pro. It's got uh, non-skid feet on it. And I've been uh, really happy with it. It was like 25 bucks on Amazon. So you mentioned the... um 
the high rise. I know yeah. you didn't have a great experience of it, but did you see the high rise pro? It's a new one that they have. Maybe the fixings are better. I don't know, but it has a, a Qi charger in the bottom. Yeah. I don't need another wireless charger. Like I have a studio neat one to the right of my display, Yeah, but it looks like the picture is like, it's basically the same stand with the same height adjustment. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. This one that I bought, the sort of generic one works totally fine. So I think I'm set. It's just one of those things. I see these little items pop up. I thought, oh, it's an interesting little idea. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago a leak about the next Apple Pride band. And it's now been uh, announced. It's coming in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and it's like a sprinkle-focused Pride edition band mm. this time with a, a similar uh, watch face. We were talking about, like, um, uh, well, I kind of like the look of this from the leak and was hoping that it wouldn't be one of the sport loops and it's a sport band and i like this i think it's really fun um so i will pick this up myself i think this is a really cool just a really cool design i like the sprinkles yeah. and all the colors of the of the pride flag uh in there so i think that's really cool i was uh i was uh unsure about this one yesterday but then i woke up this morning i looked at it again and i've decided that i like it Good, because this so, surprised me, because when we saw the leak, you were on board with me that you liked it, and then yesterday, you told me you didn't like it, which was a surprise to me. Yeah, I was in a weird mood yesterday, I think, that was <laughs> part of it. Mm, okay. I woke up today, I, I was like, yeah, this is nice. So, you know, sometimes you just gotta sit, you just gotta wait 24 hours, and then you realize, oh, I like this. So, yeah, I'm gonna get it too. Maybe this is why Apple don't make it immediately available, right? I'm going to give Federico at least a couple of days to come around on the idea, and then uh, at the end of the month, you can order it. I would expect so. Specifically for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Just for me. Why not? Mm -hmm. The the wallpaper on the iPhone is um, something. That's a big choice. I I, I feel like they have overdone it. I'm wondering if... (laughs) I'm wondering... (laughs) Maybe it animates... It, it does, I've seen the animation, I think. I've seen somebody oh, okay. posted it in this corner. I haven't seen it's the animation. It's pretty wild. It does like a big swirl when you unlock mm. the phone. Mm. Um, it's very... It's a, it's, a, it's a choice to use this wallpaper. I love the colors and I love the animation. Yep. Just my only concern is the legibility of the text. Um, as you can see. Oh, like yeah. The, yeah. yeah it's, but the colors, man, really nice. The thing that surprises me is just like the way that they have done it on the the watch screen. It's like retained its sprinkleness, mm. but on the phone, there's so many sprinkles. It doesn't look like sprinkles anymore. Yeah, it's more like graffiti or something. Yeah, and so I feel like I would like a little bit more space, maybe. But maybe the animation. I haven't seen the animation. Maybe that will account for that. But there's there's it's quite aggressively sprinkled on the phone yeah it's like when you open you know the lid of sprinkle jar and too many sprinkles Mm -hmm. falling ice cream wouldn't it be upsetting though if you opened a sprinkle jar and they were lined up by color like that wouldn't that be upsetting i think that would be extremely upsetting because it means well no maybe machines there's a glitch in the matrix if you open a jar of sprinkles and they're all perfectly matched by color Something bad is happening. No, you don't want to eat those sprinkles. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. With Squarespace, you can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, and even the content you create. Squarespace has you covered. 
With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visitors and sales are coming from, which channels are most effective, well, you can analyze all of that within Squarespace. And once you've got that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. And a great way to start that marketing strategy is with email campaigns. You can encourage visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. And with all this stuff, you can use Squarespace's awesome SEO tools. They have a suite of integrated features and useful guides to help maximize prominence among search results. I love building on top of Squarespace because all of this stuff is just there ready for you. You don't have to go around and build a bunch of different systems and string them together. Squarespace has all the tools you'd need, not only to get started, but to build something for the long run. Head on over to squarespace.com connected for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code connected to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. That's squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, Use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of CONNECTED and Relay FM. There's new reporting that the Apple Watch Series 9 will feature an updated processor based on the cores in the A15. So this comes from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who we mentioned a second ago. It actually came out in his new Discord server, which he announced uh, this past weekend for uh, newsletter subscribers. This is a big deal because the Apple Watch Series 8 and the Series 7 basically use the same system on a chip that was announced back in the Apple Watch Series 6. Uh, They have incremented the name, and there are slightly new features, but it's been the same speed for a long time. And German says that this new Series 9 chip will be an actually new system on a chip, a new processor, and not just a, a rebranding of what has been in the watch now for several years. Of course, with these system on a chip improvements, uh, we can hope for better battery life and uh, more power efficient operation. And I wanted to get y'all's take on this. Uh, first of all, does the Apple Watch feel slow to the two of you? I know in the beginning it certainly did, but I feel like I've been pretty happy with my like the responsiveness of the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch Ultra that I have now feels totally fine in terms of launching apps or just, you know, doing traditional Apple Watch stuff. Um, I still feel like the animations could maybe be sped up a little, like especially when notifications come in or when you zoom in and out of apps from from the home screen. Um I don't, uh, but it's not like I'm using the Apple Watch. I'm like, oh, this thing is so slow. I can't bear it. No, I used to feel that way with the first watches. I think it's been totally fine for the past few years, which is probably why the chip hasn't really changed much. But that said, I guess maybe the reason to do a brand new chip wouldn't ju- just be, hey, it's now everything's faster, but maybe you're doing something new as the like the watch OS 10 rumor that we've been discussing. Maybe you're doing something totally new, which will require better hardware and more speed and more, you know, just more RAM or whatever. I feel like there hasn't been much needed to push it, right? Mm-hmm. There's just like it's doing what it's doing. 
and it's mostly like ticking along. But all of these rumors are seeming to suggest a big change for um, watchOS, for watchOS 10. So maybe that will be like going hand in hand with potential advancements in the OS and the hardware going together. Like for me, it, you, your question was, does it feel slow, Stephen? And I don't think so, right? But I don't really think that there's there's going to ever, like in the near future, be like a lot of bottlenecks on app performance on the watch because realistically the apps are so small. Mm-hmm. I wonder if capability is more realistic for the Apple Watch for enhancements of new silicon than speed like that the watch is able to do more it's able to process more data more frequently because it's not going to kill the battery life so much because it's more efficient like that feels more realistic Mm -hmm. for why you might want to have new silicon in the apple watch it's more for efficiency than performance yeah you mentioned watch os 10 and of course one of the big rumors there is that it's gonna be the release of widgets on watch os so i guess we're back to glances like we had in the in the early days but a real common complaint is how slow some of the complications are to refresh their data. And with widgets, I think that's going to be just as frustrating, if not more so. And so if Apple Mm -hmm. can increase the frequency in which they keep those UIs updated, and if they can do that without killing our battery life in this new system on a chip, then that sounds actually pretty exciting to me. You know, being an ultra user, I really don't think about Apple Watch battery life, but no, that's not true for most users. And if they can do new things and be more efficient, then it's uh, it's going to be a good change. Yeah. Yeah, if we're going to have a, a UI that's, you know, heavily based around navigating widgets more than just, you know, having complications and going to the home screen and then opening an app, and if you want to make sure that those widgets... If, if, if they really are a selling point of the brand new watch experience, you want to make sure that they update as frequently as possible, which means, you know, you're going to consume power, which means you're going to consume battery. And so having a, a more powerful, more efficient um, chip that, you know, will optimize how the watch draws from the battery, uh, that would make a lot of sense. So I think if the rumor is correct, and it seems that, you know, you know, it was leaked by, you know, a, a few sources a while back and then Gurman sort of confirmed that this is what they're doing. Um, so it seems pretty accurate. If they're doing this, you want to make sure that you have better hardware. Now, my question would be, I, I really don't think that Apple is going to come out and say widgets for watchOS 10 are exclusive to you know the new watches no, this year. No, no, I think no, they're they're no. going to do it for all watches that will be capable of updating to watchOS 10. So it'll be interesting to see what does it mean in terms of it, again if the theory is correct that it's all about refreshing those widgets and optimizing for battery life. Does it mean that it, that if you have an older watch you get say a refresh every 30 seconds whereas if you have a new one it's every 15 seconds? Like it'll be interesting to see the limitations of that and the differences between the two chips when it comes to watchOS 10. Well, it's also about like the battery life of the existing devices and you know you can't take a hit to those, but we don't know how much they pad that in right in general right you know, yeah like what they say a watch is capable of and what a watch is capable of and what may it actually be capable of like if they if they 
like actually do things efficiently. And so this might be the way of like, okay, the new watch OS is going to be more intensive, but we know that the watches that we have currently can do it and still give full day battery life. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit less, but still full day. But then we know that this year's watches will take it further than before and they'll have the biggest battery life ever. You know, like there's that, there's that constant push pull, right? You know, it's kind of funny to me the other day saying about watch battery life. Uh, just me and Adina was talking and I was just saying like, you know, I'll probably get a, a watch maybe this year or something. I think two years is good for me. And she just turned to me and she was like, you deserve a new Apple Watch. Your battery life's really bad. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> why are you coming at me like this for? This isn't necessary. But like, she's just, I guess she's just realizing that she like- She pities you. I'm, it's, it's very unfortunate for me uh, that I'm, I charge my Apple Watch obviously more than she does. Like, I, But like, you know, I'm, I'm topping it up. Right. So like mm. when I go to bed, when I'm just like, you know, like unwinding, I put the watch on charge before I go to sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, I put it back on charge until I get ready and then take it off charge. And she doesn't need to do that with her Series 8. Like she doesn't need to charge it as much as I do. And I quite frequently hit the 10% low power warning towards the end of the day. So like I know my, my little Series 7 is struggling over here. But I guess you ultra boys, you don't even battery schmattery right you charge your watches like a week ago or something it's, yeah it's pretty good i mean i can go two days pretty easily where did you remember you can get to battery healths on here somewhere oh here it is battery oh you can uh settings yeah. battery health 83 percent. Ooh. so it's that's bad you know it's going down but also we can't possibly know really because we don't work at apple and we're not software engineers we can't possibly know if is it more power efficient to use watchOS 10 with widgets and to constantly dip in and out of widgets is that more power efficient or not than if you want to use an app go to the home screen launch the full app which gets unsuspended from memory or needs to start up the, you know the full thing like what's more power efficient maybe actually using widgets is going to be more power efficient than navigating to the full-on application on your watch. So maybe that there's also that consideration. We, we can't know. No, but it's one of those things where it's like this constant, I feel like this push and pull, right? Where it's like, well, it's obvious you can't make the battery life worse, but it happens all the time too right like especially with the apple watch i feel like every couple of years something changes and then people are like my watch dies in 20 minutes now you know <laughs> like i feel like it, it and so it's like it's interesting thing you'd think that's like oh well obviously any change that they make they're not going to make the battery worse on existing devices but yet it does happen even sometimes they correct it but it does happen it feels like the apple watch specifically is maybe a product that is more sensitive to the health of its battery, how quickly the battery can degrade and what the software can do to it, right? Because it feels like this is something that happens quite a lot. And I expect it's just because of the size of the battery, you know, because I think about for me, it's like a, a scale where, you know, like I noticed when we've spoken about this, you get like a year into the life of a pair of AirPods and like things start to get pretty ropey. Like they, they work, but you're charging like maybe every day, every two days if you use them enough. Um, and I know that I've seen that, like the longer, like my AirPods Pro, the original ones before we upgraded them, I was charging those things every day towards the end of their yep, kind of life. Yep. And so, and I, I, it makes sense, right? That the smaller the battery, the quicker it's going to degrade. And especially these products that are, you know, that you charge them frequently and there's a lot of stuff going on that it's going to dwindle like that. So I imagine the watch is a similar thing. 
And it also just seems to be a, a system which is prone to something going on in the software that can make it even worse. But I'm excited about WatchOS 10, this potential idea of more widget-focused uh, interface. Yeah. WatchOS desperately needs some love. I got a letter in the mail. You can tell us about your taxes or what? I did get a letter from the state of Tennessee saying they owe me money. That seems like a scam. But I see now you're telling us about your taxes because you're bragging. <laughs> you're bragging about your taxes. Is it that I paid them too much? I don't think that's bragging. Anyways, I got... Yeah, it's like, oh, look at me. I'm able to pay too much in taxes and I don't even know. Wow, look at this guy. Wow. <laughs> I wish we'd use it for something cool like healthcare, but that's not up to me. Yep. I got a letter in the P.O. box from listener Callie, who listens with her dad and sister on the way to school. Recording stopped. <laughs> Your recording has stopped. The disk space is insufficient. Oh, my God. Is your computer full? Is your computer too full of DevonThink? It's too full of DevonThink. That's the problem. Four terabytes free. Well, I don't know if you do. Okay. Restart that. Recording in progress. Okay. So I got a letter in the P.O. box from Callie, who listens to the show with her dad and sister on the way to school, which is very cool. And uh, th- th- they have questions for us. First one, what inspires connected episodes? How do you come up with topics? First, I would like to say hello to Callie and family. Hello. There's something about this, like families listening to the show together, where I feel like an intense pressure that I don't feel when it's just one person. No, I love it. Because I feel like if... Okay, but I feel like if you're listening in mixed company, like everyone's got to be entertained, you know? And, and I, so I just hope we're doing a good enough job with that. Well, did you have any doubts? We we do. I do now. I didn't before. <laughs> every time, every time I record connected, I'm just picturing the scene from the from the gladiator and be like, "Are you not entertained?" That is me, like in front of the microphone. That is you. Okay. Uh, episodes tend to be inspired by what's going on in technology, right? Like especially Apple. Like that part's pretty simple, mm-hmm. except for when we mm-hmm. get to the rough months when yeah. there's no news. Yes. And That's then, when we draw from our personal lives. Yes, or <laughs> we roast things. <laughs> <laughs> this is just one of those things. Like anyone who has made content that is uh, like ours, in which like there will always be an episode. It's not like you know. For you guys, you I guess you live on both sides of this. Where I don't really like all the content that I make is made based on a schedule. So like there's going to be one on this frequency where I guess with your two, with 512 and with Max stories, you just write in when something's happening or you have something to say. Like you don't have to, mm. well, I guess maybe for your newsletters you do, but for the websites you, yeah, you for don't. The newsletters, yeah. yeah, but for the websites you could just be like, well, when we have something to say, we'll say it, but we don't feel a need to like say something every week or whatever. Right. Yeah. So for me, like I, I'm kind of like, when you're when you're in this routine you kind of have to lean on your experience of like what are the things that you've done maybe accidentally or just through some flash of inspiration that end up becoming something you think you can build on and like the roasts i don't remember where the roasts started but i think it might have been from just the idea that every time we would do some kind of home screen review it would get pretty nasty like in a good way and Mm. so we just decided to take that and just apply it to a bunch of things but like that's the kind of idea you pick on you pick something that seemed like fun mm-hmm. and then adapt it and make it more yeah roast my life choices right that that one is still out there yeah floating around 
I think also the you know from personal experience when you you know sometimes I think the thing for us is we talk about tech but and, and Apple stuff. Okay, so I'm gonna speak for me here, but like I'm always thinking about this stuff, you know, and so it's not like I just show. I, I, it's not like I show up and I'm like, okay, now I got to work. It's connected. Oh, gosh, I hate it. I need to come up with something. Like, I'm always thinking about things I want to try or accessories that I want to buy or different apps that I want to use. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I never really exit that mode of I'm researching ideas. And, you know, the, with One True John, we, we have a saying on app stories that, like, everything is, is research. And in a way, that is so true. Because, like, everything I do, like, I'm, because I'm, al- I'm also using my phone in my personal life and I'm using my iPad in my personal life. And maybe I realize something, I'm like, oh, let me save that as an idea for a topic or on connected or app stories. So we personally, I never really exit that mode unless I'm doing like I'm on vacation or I'm hanging out with friends. But like ideas, at least for me, often come from I'm doing something on my own, even if I'm not technically, you know, starting a timer and being like, I'm doing research for connected. Maybe just an idea strikes and you save it down and that becomes you know, an interesting or silly segment of the show. Our lives are content. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. They are. They are. Yes. Yeah. It was like that joke a couple of weeks ago, right? Like crash detection went off my watch and oh, it's content. <laughs> yeah. Talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. See, exactly. Or for example, today uh, I needed to go get something in the garage and that's uh, like um, it's, it's uh, in the underground in the building and I took the elevator down and I noticed when I, was, when I was going back up that my iPhone was in satellite SOS mode, mm-hmm. which is, I wanted to mention this to you guys and I forgot, so I'm going to mention it here. It's a weird thing because like, how would I be able to use the satellite underground when I'm in my garage? Oh, I, I can answer that actually. Okay. When there's no signal at all, it reverts back to that SOS thing. So you probably, if you like really needed to use satellite emergency calling, it wouldn't have worked, but that's what the UI shows you. I think that's actually kind of a bad design. Yeah, they made it worse. It wouldn't It wouldn't have worked, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I thought. Like, I understand why it was triggered, but it wouldn't work. Like, it no. still wouldn't get any kind of reception. Yeah. So that's an example of like something happened and you think about it and then you mention it on the show. Like how I accidentally set off fall detection yesterday. How? I like banged my hand. Okay. Like it wasn't even that violent. Like I just knocked how, my hand against sure? my chair. Yeah. Okay. And it and it and it did the little thing. It was like like it made a little sound and I was like, Oh hello, fall detection and then I was like, No, I haven't had a fall. And it's like, are, are you have any symptoms? I'm like, no, nah, I'm all good. And, then, <laughs> and it stopped it. So I was like, there you go. It knows we're all getting older, right? It's like looking out for us. Yeah, I, t- I changed the setting. Like I think the default setting is fall detection when working out. And so I changed it to just leaving it on to all the time. Yeah, I'm with Federica though. I feel like everything I do at work or read, you know, because this is also like my interest and hobby. It's always getting filtered through the content part of my brain. So it's like, is this something I want to write about or talk about on on one of my shows? Is this something that I want to like bring to Discord and chat with people there? And so uh, at this point, I mean, we've done this show together now almost 10 years. 
it doesn't really feel like, oh, I've got to sit down and like do the document. And there is a time for that, you know, usually Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, we're in the document putting things in, but it's all very natural and fluid at this point, which I, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an orchestra over here. Uh, speaking of things that were nice and fluid, uh, the next question was, will the Tiny Heads tea ever come back again? Nope. No. I feel like maybe you're getting trolled. Well, no, because they, the, the, the passionate ones didn't do a good enough job the second time. Yeah. They bought more than the first time, didn't they? But it still wasn't as many as any of our other t-shirts. It still wasn't. The point was proven as to why we shouldn't have done it again. And we won't ever do a surprise merch again. When one of us is gone, I think. Yeah, Mike was very upset. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, 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 I'm not going to say we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I might want to ex- extract revenge one day. Oh boy! Wow! Oh boy! Okay. And uh, well, the last one I think is for Federico. Where did the long thigh jokes come from? Uh, when Apple released the tenth generation base model iPad last year, um, and it had the weird non-magic keyboard accessory. What, what's it called? The magic folio? Is it called a magic? Magic, key, magic, magic keyboard folio? Keyboard magic folio. It's magic smart magic key, keyboard folio. Ma- smart, pro. smart magic folio. Magic, fol- magic keyboard folio. It had a kickstand. And when we wrote our respective reviews, I wrote in my review that I'm a kickstand guy. And Jason, Jason Snell of Six Colors, wrote that it's not exactly a kickstand person and i believe that on the show i said so because i say so many stupid things on the show and so you know hopefully Callie's family finds these stupid things entertaining and i believe that one of the things i said is that i like using kickstands because i have long thighs uh, or something along those lines. Or anyway. you needed long thighs, I think, to use this particular Or you needed thing. a long thigh, yeah. I said, oh, maybe you need long thighs to accommodate a kickstand and make it comfortable. Something along those lines, because I can help myself. And that's where it got, it got started. And it got so silly at one point that we asked people to send us pictures of their thighs with a measuring tape to establish... We did, we did do that. Yeah, we, we, we did that. That's what... <laughs> their royal thighness. That, is, that, that was a thing we did. Uh, because sometimes you can take a joke too far, uh, but eventually you also make that content. You know, it, it goes back to that idea of everything. You, you got to find a way to optimize the content factory inside of you. And that is how we do it. You know, we, we optimize, we say some silly things and we find a way to make them work. When every content creator grows old enough, they find the factory inside of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it's actually so true. I think you, you got to find a way to facilitate the making of the content. Otherwise, it's going to feel like a job and you don't want it to feel like a job. That's my take. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by ZocDoc. If you're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, maybe you stumbled down the TikTok rabbit hole and now you're more worried than before. Uh, this is me, not with TikTok, but just like with the internet in general. Like you start searching things and you end up with very, very bad news. Well, look, there's a much better way to get the health answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not randos on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals who specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. 
ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. I think there's a lot of cases where this would be really useful. Maybe you're new in the area or you've needed to change doctors for some reason. That is a big and sometimes honestly scary process, but ZocDoc makes it easy and they've made it easy for millions of people. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in. By using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor who meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com connected and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com connected. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the show and Relay FM. It was a random Tuesday in May. Well, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a press release is released on the Apple Newsroom saying, hey, here's the new Pride Band. And we say, oh, okay. We thought this was coming. Ten minutes later, oh, hey, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro, they're <laughs> on iPad now. Yeah. Oh, hey. That's that's the meme, right? They just newsroom yeah. it out. Final Cut yeah. Pro, Logic Pro for iPad. That's the tweet. They will go on sale on Tuesday, May 23rd. That's almost two weeks from now. And they will be subscriptions at $4.99 per month per app. So each of them is going to be $5 per month or $49 per year with a one-month free trial. Hot takes. How do we feel about that? Come on, give us your honesty. Well, I want to just to compare it. I just want to give the Mac prices where Logic Pro is $199 and Final Cut Pro is $299. So it is a good bit cheaper. I, I think this kind of follows in the footsteps of something like, um, like Adobe products, honestly, right? Where you can pay, I think I pay like 60 bucks a month and I have access to almost everything in the creative suite. And that's fine for me because I need all of those tools. But if you just need a couple of them or you need one for a short period of time, that's always uh, an upside with subscriptions. But at the same time, it's a little weird. And I think uh, I said this in my blog post and no one's corrected me. So I think it's accurate. I think it's the first time Apple has had a subscription software title in the store. Everything else they've done is free or an outright purchase. So that's that's a, a new thing. Hey, Mike, can I can I give you a hot take? Oh, you know I want it, baby. I will not disappoint you. Okay. I think, okay, Gary, this is a hot take. I think subscriptions are better than other pricing models for this type of software. And I actually think that the other way to sell Final Cut and Logic, I actually think that standard pricing is bad. Standard pricing, like $200, is gatekeeping and is preventing a lot of people from actually trying these apps. I think the folks who are saying, no, I want to give you $200 or $300, that's something I strongly disagree with. Because $5 a month, it means a ton of, for example, teenagers that have an iPad will be able to get Final Cut and learn Final Cut or Logic and you know create stuff and spend $10 
you know, maybe they try it for two months and they realize, oh, this is not for me. But they don't have the pressure of be like, oh, I got to ask my mom to give me $200 for a piece of software. <laughs> well, you know? and don't forget, and, you got a one month free trial. Exactly. Exactly. So I actually think I love this and this is better. Like I've, I gotta tell you, uh, this is a multi-layer hot take. I would have been upset if they came out and said, we made Logic and Final Cut and you gotta spend $200 each to get them on the iPad because it means far, far fewer people would have given this a try. I didn't think of it the way you did and I, and I love that take. For me, I'm just kind of like, you. these are professional tools. Four ninety nine a month for a professional tool is not a lot of money. But it gets even more to that case of like, I put off buying Final Cut for way longer than I should have because I didn't know if I wanted to spend $200. But I ended up doing it and I was happy that I did it. But it cost, but it took me longer to get to that point rather than trying to use other types of video software this is years ago, like on the Mac, because I didn't want to pay $200 for something because I didn't know how to use it. Because the first time I bought Logic, long, 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 long time ago, I bought it for like, I don't know how, how much it was then. When it was all silver. You remember when the UI was all silver? Yeah, Logic 9 is what Caleb says. Yeah, Logic 9, sorry. thank you. I bought that app for however many hundreds of pounds it cost me, and I could not understand it, so I wasted my money. Uh, when they redesigned Logic to Logic Pro 10, like the UI changed in such a way that it started to make sense to me, plus my skills in GarageBand had leveled up to the point where like the, the jump over was easier. And so I wasted all that money because I had to pay upfront for it. This is a better model, I think, for this type of software. And at $49 a year, that is a great deal, I think, for these applications. It's, f you know, all right, you get $200 forever, but it's not forever, though, is it? Because, like, they will bring out a new version and charge you again for it eventually if that's going to be the model, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, Apple hasn't done that for these two applications, but professional tools, generally, that's how it works. But I expect... They've probably just been waiting until they would move it to subscription is the only reason they haven't done that. And I expect the next version of Final Cut and Logic on the Mac will move to subscription and there will be like a new version and it will go subscription. This makes sense to me because it's like this professional, these are professional tools that you buy and you use and $4.99 a month for a professional tool like this is fine. But I also love your take on it, Federico, which is coming at it from the opposite end of like, if you're not a professional, but you want to try out a professional tool, you can try it out now for a month for free. And if you use it for two months, you've paid $8. Exactly. Yes. It's not a lot of money. And the, the thing about subscriptions also, uh, which I think is important, is that they are a, a two-way street in the sense that you, the customer, are paying uh, you know, a fee every month. Uh, but Apple is also on the hook for, for these apps now. And they are asking people for money each month. And so it creates that expectation that you want to see continuous improvements. And I can tell you, I can tell you because I know what I'm, what I'm about to say, that they have a long list of features that are not making it for version 1.0. And they are aware of those features. And so I just, uh, you know, on balance, I think this is a much better model because it also creates that expectation in people of like, this is going to be a recurring product that I'm paying for. It's going to be a recurring expense for me 
and also it's something that is being developed, which is why, I mean, you look at all the third-party developers that we often mention on the show. You look at, you know, stuff like Drafts, for example. Greg Pierce asks people for money with a subscription, but he's always working on Drafts. And so to see this from Apple, and I feel pretty confident, you know, in saying that they are aware of the features that will not make it for version 1.0, and they're working on them, with the subscription model, you create that sort of relationship with people where like, okay, I'm paying for this on a monthly basis, but I know that Apple is continuing to work on them. As opposed to, I gave them, I gave them $200 a year and a half ago, and I still don't have this feature. Now I'm upset. You know, it's, I, I think this works much better for them. And um, I don't know this personally, but I would, I would be shocked if the same model uh, doesn't come to the Mac versions. Uh, we'll offer a good piece of real-time follow-up from Zach in the Discord. You can get trials of Final Cut and Logic on the Mac from the website. That's great. I think the point still stands. And there's educational discounts for those both as well. Yep. I want to talk about the system requirements a little bit because this is not something we normally talk about with iPad software, but Final Cut... <laughs> well, we did for the operating system. We did for... <laughs> <laughs> Final Cut, yeah, stage manager... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so Final Cut Pro is compatible with an M1 or later. That means the 2021 iPad Pro and later, and then the 2022 iPad Pro and 2022 iPad Air. So no iPad mini and no regular iPad and no, you know, the kind of the beloved 2018 iPad that a bunch of people still hanging on to doesn't make the cut for Final Cut Pro. Logic Pro has a wider base. Uh, it just needs the L, the A12 Bionic. So that's the 2018 iPad Pro, 2019 iPad Air, 2019 iPad Mini, and the 2020 iPad or newer. So much broader range of devices for Logic. And I mean, I, that makes sense to me. I think when you see, like I just seen, has the only hands-on video that I've come across. And it's it's pretty brief. But some of the things she's showing, like real-time effects, you don't want to wait around on for rendering, right? Final Cut's going to have a much bigger footprint on your system resources. And the same thing is on the Mac, right? A Mac that can run Logic Pro really well, like that's different than a, than a Mac that runs Final Cut Pro really well, at least back in the Intel days. So uh, it is a bummer that my iPad Mini won't run Final Cut, I guess. But also, I like, can't how wait bad? to try. Yeah, how bad? Logic. On the iPad Mini, oh my god! <laughs> How bad would the interface you won't be? be? Able to do and and really, Final Cut and Logic both like both of these to me. I'm like, man, there should be a bigger iPad. <laughs> like these would both look good on a bigger iPad. And we're gonna come back to this, I think. But both of them require iPad OS 16.4. So it's interesting that these aren't built on something in iPad OS 17. You know, when these come out on the 23rd, we can just download and install them if your iPad meets the requirements. And again, like. My feeling on this is this is what these apps require. Like they just went through this, yeah, right yeah. with yeah. the with Stage Manager. Like I, I really do believe this, especially because Logic and Final Cut have different minimum system requirements. Like that to me tells me that I expect they have gone to the they've gone as far as they possibly can for both pieces of software because it is weird to have these two apps come out and like they have different cutoffs, which makes me feel like Logic 
can run on the A12, so they're doing that. When I think it would make more sense, just like from a marketing perspective, to say it's for both of these apps, M1, right? Like it's just cleaner that way. But they, I believe they are going to the, I think past the point where it makes sense, right? Because they're not actually cutting it off by model, but by chip. Because genuinely, the 2019 iPad mini, that is going to be a terrible experience to run an app like Logic on it. Yeah. Like I have a 27-inch monitor where sometimes I feel like I need more space for Logic on the Mac, right? Like, Yeah. Well, they've done some interesting things in Logic if you look through the product page where like the the meters and the sliders, that all that interface, which is at the bottom of the screen in Logic on the Mac, is like its own screen you go into and come out of. So like they're doing some interesting things with the interface, but I agree. I think the very least you're going to want an 11-inch iPad, and if you're serious about these things, mm-hmm. probably the 12.9 is the way to go, especially with Final Cut, because then you get to do the really cool color like correction and reference modes that that, that that XDR display can do on the big iPad. Should we just round out the conversation on Logic? Because I think Final Cut has more to talk about realistically yeah and it's and and logic's also the one that you and i use i mean we both use logic sometimes every day of the week um i am very interested to see what this would be like for podcast editing if you if you edit podcasts in logic like we do you're using like three percent of what the application can do and i don't know about you mike but i have over the years turned off most of the UI mm-hmm. in Logic. And on occasion, when I've like talked to people who do like music production and a tool like Logic, and I show them like my template, they're like, this is bananas. Where did everything go? Yeah. But it's because we don't need a lot of that stuff. I also just don't think Apple cares about people editing podcasts in Logic. <laughs> like if you watch no, all this no, stuff. I mean, when you look at the marketing, it's music, right? Like, this Yeah, is, it's a it's, bunch of it, people it, making cool beats. Because it is a music tool, because realistically people in the wider industry don't use logic they use like pro tools it's still there it's still feasible i don't imagine uh, ferrite's great don't get me wrong it's a fantastic application what i'm saying is like for logic's tool set to edit a podcast is like the most simple tool set that logic has so all they have to do is the bare minimum of you can put multiple tracks and zoom in and out and make cuts like the stuff that we do musicians 100% need so like I feel like it would be easy to do I would be very surprised if it didn't run great but we'll wait and see I mean yeah maybe like it will run great but ferrite's particulars for the way that it is tuned to working for touch screens might be better but also realistically if I'm going to do this I'm going to want a keyboard yes and that's something that I think Apple's done a good job of explaining that both of these apps they use touch they use keyboard and trackpad input, but you can also use the pencil. I think on the Logic page, it has somebody uh, working on automation, which is like volume change on a track over time, doing that with a pencil. And like doing that with a cursor, sometimes on macOS, like you move the mouse the wrong way and things go haywire. Um, I think it's cool that they have reimagined these tools to, to be more uh, specific with their types of input that they, they work best with. The other thing that I think is really cool about this is that it is compatible with the Mac version of Logic. And we'll get to Final Cut in its situation in a second. But it looks like you'll be able to move Logic projects around 
and and they just work and that that's pretty sweet as someone there's going to be some asterisks there right because like you can there are two ways you can build a logic project where you can have it include the audio or you can have it reference the audio yeah and if you're doing the audio referencing i'm not sure how well that would work maybe the files app would make it better if you were saving them in a place where it's synced but i feel like it's probably going to work best if you have the audio copied into the project like container that works that works better now on the, on the mac yes, version yes it does yeah it does and you can import garageband projects so apple is kind of building an on ramp from garageband up into logic if you're on that trajectory which is cool uh, there's also plugin support so this is a big thing in logic and final cut both to bring in in logic's case additional audio units uh into your project so uh, one ones that I use are by a company called Isotope, and I'm not super optimistic if Isotope has to do something for this. If this just like works and you can bring them over, that's fantastic. But Isotope on the Mac is not fully Retina. Like there's a bunch of their tools that aren't multi-threaded, and so they're they're pretty slow in terms of adopting new stuff. And there's lots of other options out there. There's a whole world of plugins. Those are just the ones that I happen to use. But I'm mm-hmm. curious to see how this adoption goes. Apple's audio units, their plugins into Logic, most of them are pretty good. In fact, I use Apple's compressor because it, it sounds really good and it's just built in. And so that'll get you a long way. But if you're doing a lot of custom stuff, um, I'm just, I'm just, I just wonder how fast the ecosystem will grow up around this, if at all. So th- they can and will work if the developers have done the job. So like this uses, um, I've got this from Jason's article on Six Colors. So the iPadOS version uses Apple's audio unit plugin format, right? So like, because iPadOS supports that and Logic also supports that. So if you have a plugin developer, if they have made a version for the iPad, it will work here. If they haven't, it won't. Okay. Anything else with Logic that jumped out at you, Mike? No, I'm excited about it. To me, am I going to change to editing on the iPad? No, no. But this might be a thing where I would be more willing to... You know, like I'm working on a bigger project, like a big editing project, and then I don't need to take my laptop and an iPad on a trip. Like, and I can continue working in the Logic project. That's that's good. And like, who knows? Maybe it'll be a great experience. And like, maybe it'll be a better experience because it's been rethought. Like, I'm not assuming I'm going to be throwing away Logic on the Mac, but I'm very excited about the idea that I would be able to move between operating systems and be able to access the exact same projects. That's exciting. Yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty cool. Because I'm very simple as a Logic user. I don't use plugins or really anything like that. So I think my workflow would fit into Logic Pro on the iPad very easily. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with expert advice and their fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. A lot of us want nice greenery around our homes, but it can be hard to know which plants will do best. But you don't have to worry about that because you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. So that experience is really cool. You go to the website, you plug in some information about where you're looking to plant, and it does a bunch of filtering for you so you don't have to to guess. And those plant experts, they're always available so they can help you keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. 
and there's no more waiting in long lines or hauling heavy plants around. You order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. My wife has ordered quite a few things from Fast Growing Trees, and she's been really happy with all of it. She does the gardening in our household. That is not my skill set, uh, but she's been really impressed with this service and uh, new plants keep showing up. With Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great. So join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com connected and get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com connected. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for their support of the show and Relay FM. But this is where... The story changes a bit when we turn our eye to Final Cut Pro. Mm -hmm. So reading from Jason's preview on Six Colors, Final Cut Pro for iPad seems to be a subset of the Mac version. You can start on iPad and move to the Mac, but the migration won't work the other way, and a bunch of features from the Mac just aren't there on the iPad. It's like I come away from this feeling that Final Cut Pro on the iPad is maybe more focused on people who want to make projects on their iPads rather yeah. than people who want to take their existing projects on the go, which is a very viable reason for this piece of software to exist. But it is going to be a frustration for people. However, again, like I may question the idea that, like me, if you already have a Mac-focused workflow that you're really entrenched in, how often would you be moving those files to Final Cut, on the iPad to continue them, it really does feel like it is more realistic that it works the other way around, that you can either do it all on the iPad or start something on the iPad, do some capture, do some basic effects, then move it to the Mac to be that part of your workflow if that's something you care about. Yeah, it's interesting. I think in in her video, I Justine talks about people who are editing on their phones, right? People are just shooting and doing all their editing mobile and that this is kind of built with them in mind. Uh, one of the examples is it has really nice support for reframing content for things like vertical video. And you can do that in Final Cut. Adobe also has some tools that makes it really easy to do. But that's a very common use case, I think, especially on mobile. And they are recognizing that. You know, Apple, I think with Final Cut in particular, it it does have like this weird potential problem of there's a bunch of people growing up learning how to do video editing with touch and logic i don't think has that same sort of threat on the horizon but apple's got to keep final cut not only like cool and fun but also relevant and this yeah it's not as great as the mac version but it seems like what they've done here is bring the most important things to these types of editors and that i think is is a pretty good way to start like logic it has a different tools based on your input, so keyboard, touch, and pencil. Uh, did y'all see the example of the live drawing? So you can draw over yeah. a clip, and then your drawing itself becomes an asset that you can treat as its own thing in the timeline. Like, what a good use for the pencil. That is super smart. Yeah, and, and I feel like the, the, the whole pitch of this is a multi-model sort of uh, model experience where you can draw with the pencil, you can hover with the pencil, or you can use your finger, or you can use the trackpad, or you can use keyboard shortcuts. Like when you think about it, nobody else can has done this or can do this. Like 
this is just really an iPad thing where you have all of these uh, three, four different input methods and they all, they all can do, like you can get the, they all cover pretty much the basics. Like all you can do with, the, your, with your finger, you can do with a trackpad, but you also have the addition of Apple Pencil. And so in that case, you have these extra dimensions for uh, drawing with a pencil or hovering with a pencil, or you have keyboard shortcuts. And my understanding is that they're, they're, they've been trying to match all of the common keyboard commands from the Mac on iPadOS. But, but there's also the, like, have, have you guys seen that, um, cool UI element, like the little dial that they pop in from mm-hmm. the right side of the screen. What, what's the name? Like the, the something wheel? The something which wheel. It, yeah, yeah the it. something wheel, which I think is so cool because it, like, it supports different, different types of scrubbing through the mag- magnetic timeline in Final Cut. And like that, that's exactly like the sort of thing that I wanted to see in an iPad sort of... Uh, iPad first version of Final Cut. It's not. It's not a re. I think this approach with Final Cut, especially with Final Cut on the iPad, is a really fascinating one because it. They haven't tried to reinvent video editing, right? It's not like they did with Final Cut what they did with Files when it first came out compared to Finder. They didn't mm-hmm. try to reinvent something established. They took something established. They made it work on the iPad, and then they sprinkled in all of these new additions that make sense for a device like the iPad, which is. If you think about it, this way to design software on iPad is different from the software that we've seen on iPad before, right? And I don't know, I just, you know, I saw a demo and it just, it, it, it all makes me feel very optimistic. Granted, this is just a team of people at Apple doing this. Jog wheel. The jog wheel, the thank jog you. Wheel. This is just a team of people in the Final Cut team and the Logic team like doing this work on the iPad. It's not necessarily a reflection of iPadOS as a whole, but still, you know, I don't know. I just, especially Final Cut, I think it's really impressive. Elephant in the room. Mm. Why a random Tuesday in May? Have you heard the theory? What is it? The easy theory would be, oh, they dropped this in in now on a random Tuesday with the press release because they have other stuff to worry about at WWDC, which totally makes sense. There are other theories that one could think about. Hey, maybe it was just ready to go and it's not dependent on, like it, it doesn't need any... Now, maybe they didn't want to confuse the message. This is good to go on iPadOS 16. Uh, we don't need to sort of confuse the message and be like, maybe does it require iPadOS 17? So it's, just, it's, it's good to go. Why not? Maybe um, another possible theory would be there will be features in iPadOS 17 that will make this existing product better in the future. So Apple could say something like, uh, and starting with iPadOS 17, Logic and Final Cut will be able to do this later this year. Like, instead of, you know, having to announce Final Cut and Logic at the event, they can just treat it as an established existing product and be like this new iPadOS 17 feature also will work later this year in Final Cut and Logic. Yeah, it's it's a way for them to continue to push 
uh, iPad OS forward, right? Like it's a reason to build in things like better file management or audio routing yeah. or, you know, one of the thousand other things for Mac OS that power users on the iPad would like. And now they're like, hey, look, we have these these two apps over here and we need to yep. continue to make them better. And the way they do that is to make the platform under them better as well. Yes. And th that is exactly the, the sort of thing I've been thinking about since yesterday. Because it's not just, so the way I look at this is, is it's not just, you know, these two apps in a vacuum. There's Logic and Final Cut on the iPad. Great. The fact that the, the same company that makes these apps also makes the hardware and makes the software makes this story a lot more interesting. Because by making Final Cut and Logic on the iPad, you got to believe that some people from those teams went to their managers and they said, well, you know, this will be much, much better if only we had greater control over, you know, multiple sources of audio or having a proper screen in settings where you can choose, you know, where to output sound or just being able to have multiple streams of audio at the same time and, and pull audio from those sorts, like all kinds of things that those developers maybe were used to having on the Mac side of things, and when they were tasked with making an iPad version, they realized, oh, well, the platform doesn't let me do this. So for me, releasing Final Cut and Logic is not only a, a, like a great event, because it's like something we've been expecting for really a decade. It's, it's, this is the end of the meme when you think about it. Oh, what are the pro apps on the iPad? This is like, they should do the funeral for that meme. It's done. It's over. They've done these apps. And come May 23rd, that will be done. We don't need to say it anymore. But what we can think about next is how can they improve the platform underneath this software to make it better or at the very least equivalent to macOS? My perspective is I'm not going to use Logic. I'm not going to use Final Cut. I'm, you know, I'm a writer. I don't need these apps. And Apple doesn't make a, a pro app for writers who like plain text. That thing, well, exists. It's called Obsidian. But, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not made by Apple. Um, still, though, for me, this matters because maybe, and, you know, maybe this is optimism, maybe this is just, you know, wish casting, whatever, but I think it sends a signal for Apple to come out and say, here's logic and final cut. It feels like, I don't want to, no, if, I want to say that. It feels like a changing direction, at least slightly. Not just because they make these apps, but because of how they make them. And I mean, you look at the screenshots and the videos that we've seen on logic and final cut so far. Those are complex, dense interfaces <laughs> like we've never seen before from Apple on iPadOS. We've always gotten the, you know, sort of watered down iPad version of insert app name here. Like we've always got the friendlier, more spaced out version of Safari, of Mail, of Finder, which is now called Finder, of Calendar. This is like Logic and Final Cut are the thing. You know, it's you look at those screenshots Without the frame around them, you could be confused and be like, hey, this is a, a Mac with a weird aspect ratio when you look at the UI. Mm -hmm. And so I want to believe this is a signal of Apple finally accepting the idea of, oh, we can get complex for our power users, for the people who really want this stuff. We can do it. 
Whereas before, it always felt like there was that invisible barrier of, oh, you can be a power user on the iPad, but you can only go so far. And now you look at these two apps and it's like, no, we, we're fine with having tiny buttons, plenty of sidebars, popovers, all kinds of interface elements on screen at once. And it's up to you to learn how to use this. So does it mean, with this, I'm not saying that, oh, Tichi is reading into Final Cut and Logic and being like, Sage Manager is going to be great in iPadOS 17. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it feels to me as if something has changed in terms of what Apple thinks can be expected on iPadOS if you're a power user. At least someone does. At least someone does. And that someone is me. I look at this and to me, so this is the pro workflow team, right? Like that's what yeah. this would indicate to me that there's something going on here with them, I would assume, right? Uh, and and But they're the kind of people that you do want to be able to push on what's possible in iPadOS because like the clues in the name, like pro workflows. So um, it's intriguing. It's intriguing that it requires 16.4. Like why? I don't know. Right? Um, like that's just weird to me. Like I don't think there's some kind of major conspiracy, but like these are apps. Like why do these apps in the app store need a specific version of the operating system? Like, I don't know. That's just kind of funny. There must be something like some kind of low level change. Yeah. That they added there's a framework or something in there yeah. they need. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't know. My general vibe before we wrap up uh, is obviously, as, as you guys know, as connected listeners know, I was feeling very down on the iPad um, for the past uh, six months of my life. This, this announcement has reignited something um, in theory. Right, because practically speaking, I'm still stuck with stage manager and iPadOS 16, but it's a bit of a vibe change for me. And I guess we'll see if I'll be proven wrong at WWDC or not. But it feels like there's something there in terms of maybe you can expect some of the things you wanted from iPadOS this year instead of you know doing what I was thinking was going to happen, which was, yeah, I'm going to be done with iPadOS at least until 2024 and beyond. That's the glass half full? Yes. The glass half empty is like this was all it was going to be. Yes. And it just got pushed out the keynote. That's exactly how to look (laughs) at this. You got both, right? Like it could be one or the other, but like that, that would actually, I am more on the pessimistic take here. That it's like, this is a great thing. And in the keynote would have been a great headline, but like they are prioritizing for what makes sense. This is not part of iOS, iPadOS 17. Like they could have released it sooner and they would have, even if it would have been part of the keynote. I'm not personally confident that this means there is more to tell about iPadOS 17 specifically. If you want to find links to all the stuff we spoke about this week, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 449. There are a couple of uh, links in the show notes uh, in the podcast player and on the web when draw your attention to. Uh, the first is the submit feedback button. So if you have feedback or follow up for the show, we have a little form on the website you can fill out and uh, it goes into our CMS and we will see it when we prep for the show. 
also want to talk about membership for a second. This is the time of year where we publish our annual specials here on Relay FM. A whole bunch of shows produce an extra episode for all members to enjoy. So you don't have to be a connected member to hear our annual special, but it went up earlier this week and it was a special edition of the quizzes that was a whole lot of fun. So if you're a member, check that out in the crossover feed. And if you're not a member, now is a great time to join. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. And connected listeners, connected members get longer ad-free versions of the show each and every week. You can find us online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And he is on Mastodon as Vitici at MacStories.net. Mike hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM and is the co-founder at Cortex Brand. You can find him at mike.social as iMike. I co-host Mac Power Users, which comes out every Sunday afternoon here on Relay FM, and I'm the writer of 512pixels.net, and you can find me on Mastodon as ismh at eworld.social. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, ZocDoc, and Fast Growing Trees. Until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.